Hi everybody and welcome to the NDSC podcast, a place to share ideas for future and new management doctoral students. I am your host Jose and I am excited to bring you these new three episodes recorded live at the SMA annual meeting. These new three episodes will have a special topic, academic mentoring and advisory. I hope you enjoy them. Welcome again. For my last episode here at SMA, I had the opportunity to interview a good friend, second year PhD student Maria Bracamontes from Mississippi State. I wanted to bring also the perspective as a student to this podcast on how to develop those relationships with your advisors and faculty along your program. I think this is going to be a great episode and I hope you all enjoy it. Okay, hi everybody, welcome uh, to the last interview I will record here at SMA. I'm with a good friend, Maria Bracamontes. She's a second, second year PhD student at Mississippi State. Um, so I'm gonna do a little bit, continue with this topic on, on mentorship and academic advisor or academic mentorship. But first Maria, welcome and also, can you share something about you outside of academia, something that you do uh, with your partner, with your family, anything that it has nothing to do with research or teaching or school. Okay. Well, hello everybody, I'm Maria. And something that I do outside of academia is that, well, I have a, a partner, I have a boyfriend, and we have a dog that we adore. And we love to travel and just do crazy things like in nature. We love to hike. We just we love love to go skiing, snowboarding, and just take road trips everywhere. That's just kind of what I try to do whenever I have time. Nice. What What's your dog's name? Luna. Luna. Nice. Yes. Okay. And now tell us a little bit of why you chose to to do a PhD. Kind of like a little bit of your background story and how you came with the decision. Like, yeah, I'll I'll become a I'll become a professor and academic. Okay. Well, my background story might be a little different than most. I am an international student. I come from Peru. And I actually was born and raised in Peru. I finished high school over there. And I decided to come to the States for undergrad, not knowing that I was going to go in academia. It was not in my mind. Actually, I did not know what I wanted to do with my life. I knew that I wanted to study business, but I didn't even know what inside of business. So I actually changed my major three times when I was an undergrad. <laughs> I started with marketing and then I switched to economics for a while. And then I switched to business administration, which is the one that I graduated with. But even then I decided to do a concentration in international business because I'm an international student and I love to travel. And then I found out that I like marketing a lot. So I got a minor in marketing and then I found out that I like finance a lot, so I got a minor in finance. And I ended up graduating, and I'm like, okay, but I like everything, and I cannot do everything. I did a little bit of internships and co-ops, tried to get some industry experience. That helped me a little bit, but still, it was not like a definite answer of this is what I want to do with my life. So I decided to go into a master's program, and I did an MBA, and on my first semester as an MBA, 
I had the opportunity to meet a lot of friends in the marketing department that were PhD students and they were doing amazing research. They were doing research in embarrassing products. Like why, how people buy, for example, I don't know, condoms or, you know, some illness medication that they don't want anybody to know about. Like Mm -hmm. how does that impact their purchase intentions? And they were doing experiments and they took me in and they said, hey, if you want to help us out, this will look good in your resume. I was like, okay, great. And I started getting into that research kind of mindset. I was helping them out with their experiments, trying to conduct the experiments with different people and students and on campus in a laboratory. And I just loved it. So then I looked into my MBA program and I decided to do a minor in data analytics because I wanted to get better at analyzing data and understanding what happens after. I have an idea, I collect the data, what happens after, how do I make conclusions with it? And the more I got into my master's program, the more I formed relationships with professors. And one good old day, I was in class, and one of my professors casually mentioned that he had published something in a journal and I did not know that professors did research. I did not know that they published stuff. <laughs> so I thought, oh my goodness, my professor published a book. He is famous. He is J.K. Rowling. <laughs> so I just asked him, hey, what did you publish? And he sent me the article. And it was an article on family business. It was on socio-emotional wealth. Mm. And I read the article and I did not understand anything. But it intrigued me greatly to know that professors are not what we think they are they're not just teachers but they have this whole new secret world of research and things that they love and i just started making connections with those professors asking them about them their lives and they actually recruited me into the phd program they showed me this whole you know occult world that i didn't know of and I just decided that I wanted to be like them. I wanted to have the opportunity to, yes, I'm working for a university and I have things that I need to do, but most of my work is going to be dedicated to researching things I want to know, things I love. It's not that I have to research things that you know a company wants me to do, but the independence and the power you have over your own work and the rest of your life was what brought me into this program. So I think you're already touching on that, but that, that's good. that was gonna be my, my next question. And maybe you just wanna keep going on that idea. What's, now that you've been in the program for two years, um, what's one of your favorite things about being a PhD student? Um, one of my favorite things about being a PhD student, I guess, is to it, it, it's a two-parter because it is one of my the worst things, but then it becomes the best thing. Okay, because that's the, the next question, right? What's the best thing and then what's the most challenging thing? So maybe you're already answering both. Okay. Perfect. Well, I think I have another one for the most, most challenging, challenging thing. Okay, okay, perfect. But one of the things that you're going to quickly realize as a PhD student is that you know nothing. Mm-hmm. You know so little. And that is so weird because from somebody that comes from having a career and having a master's and everybody telling you like, oh my God, you're so smart. You get into a place that everybody tells you, you know absolutely nothing. <laughs> um, but then whenever you find that little one thing that piques your interest and you start 
you know, reading the literature about it and talking to people and discussing it. And then you reach a point where just information flows out of you every time you are explaining this thing. And now all of a sudden you have this knowledge about this and you feel so passionate about it. That's one of the best feelings that I've had so far because I feel like I'm actually doing something meaningful. Mm. I feel like I'm actually accomplishing something. Mm. And that 20 years from now, if I can publish something that advances academia, it's, it's like a legacy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to stay there. And as a PhD student, that moment of realization from that feeling of I know absolutely nothing to, hey, I know a little bit more now, mm-hmm. that's the greatest feeling in the world. I love it. That's pretty cool. Okay, so then what would be one of the most challenging things about being a PhD student? One of the most challenging things up to this day, and I'm sure it's going to be the most challenging thing going forward for the rest of my life, is how to cope with criticism and mm. how to cope with rejection. Mm. Um, I found out that a lot of people that go into a PhD program, they are curious about knowledge. They want to know a lot. They're normally good at school and, you know, they're taking the initiative and all of their life, they're like, I'm smart. I can do this. I'm going to grad school. And because we know so little as PhD (laughs) students and we are kind of trained to be researchers in the future, you're going to encounter a lot of feedback that might sound a little harsh, but it's just like your writing is just terrible. You do not know how to use punctuation. You do not know how to use citations. This theory has nothing to do with what you're trying to talk about. And it's sometimes hard to hear because we are used to hearing we're awesome. Um, But one thing that I need to remember every time that happens is that it's not about me. It's not that they're trying to criticize me. Professors have the best intentions and they want me to succeed. And if they're doing this, it's because they want me to be better to be a better researcher and give me better opportunities. Because in academia, it is, that's how we advance science. We criticize each other. We try to make things better and our research better and our methods better. So I feel like it's very, very important that we get that formation from our universities in a controlled environment and we get used to that criticism and that feedback before we go and we get trashed by a reviewer too, I guess. (laughs) That's pretty good. So share with me uh, maybe on this PhD journey so far, what's uh, some of the best advice you've received? Um, Some of the best advice I've received for somebody that is just now coming to be a PhD Mm -hmm. is if you think something is gonna take you an hour or two, block about three times that time frame um if you think that reading a 20 page article is going to take you two hours when you first start just dedicate five or six (laughs) because everything that you think you know is going to completely change whenever you get into a phd program before i thought i was an avid reader and i used to read so fast and understand all of it and then i got to read research articles and i was like I don't know what these words are. I don't know what these methods are. Why are there so many numbers and words all in one page? I had to look everything up. The jargon is just crazy. And it is really easy 
to procrastinate, especially if you're like, oh, I only have to read one article, you leave it until the last minute, and then you don't have enough time to do everything else that comes your way. Yes. So just giving yourself the time and space that you're going to need to get everything done without having to overstress yourself, it is very powerful. Nice. Is there a resource uh, you have that comes to your mind that you could share with, with other students that you think has been valuable for you during this period of your PhD journey? Yeah. Actually, I don't know where this resource came from. I am sure that somebody gave it to me. I just don't remember who. And if I ever find this person, I hope I can thank them. But then there is a, this little booklet. It's very tiny. It's like about 50 or 70 pages long. And it's very small. You can find it on Amazon mm -hmm. for like $9. And it's called Scaling the Ivory Tower. Mm. Um, and it's a book that has, it's a booklet that has multiple chapters. And it goes throughout your whole life as a PhD student. So the first chapter is about how to find the perfect program for you because it's different for everybody. Mm -hmm. The second chapter, I feel like, is about finding an advisor to work with you. The third chapter is how to study, how to pass comps, how to find your topic. And then as the chapters go along, they grow with you as a PhD. And then they talk about the job market. They talk about what to look for whenever you are interviewing with universities. They talk about what to do whenever you're a fresh professor, you know, newly graduated PhD. And it's just very small, very easy to digest, but it tells you things that you would have never known because a lot of the tips and tricks in this profession, they're tacit knowledge. They're mm -hmm. passed down from senior to junior scholars. So I feel like it, it was very, very helpful. It's written by PhD professors to future PhD students and young professors. And it, it, it was amazing. Nice. I'm, I, I, I haven't read it before, so I, I need to. And what I'll do is I'll share the link at the bottom of the description of this episode. So everybody can, at least the, the, the link to Amazon and, and buy it. Okay, so um, I want to go into the... the the kind of like the special topic for these sessions. And you mentioned it right now in your book. And the chapter number two is kind of like selecting your advisor. And the, the main the main idea is just you sharing what has been your experience so far in the academic mentorship and advisors you, you have and you received in your program, a little bit of the story behind it and how that has helped you uh, to develop as a, as, a, as a PhD student. Okay, well, I have been very fortunate in the sense that I have an awesome advisor and I, it came out of nowhere because he was new and I was new, but my advisor has helped me tremendously throughout my PhD program career, not only when it comes to research, but also when it comes to, you know, networking and teaching and how to do basic stuff that again, it's tacit knowledge. You cannot just Google how to code for a meta-analysis article. Like, it, it's hard. Um, so a little bit of the story of how it happened is that, as Jose mentioned, I am in Mississippi State. And how the process works in Mississippi State is that whenever you come into the program, um, the people at the department head uh, try to get a feel of what do you like, micro, macro, entrepreneurship, whatever it is that you're most interested in or you think you're interested in. 
And then they pair you with two professors every year that you're gonna work for 10 hours a week. Um, and then you can work with them on TA stuff, on research stuff, on general stuff that they need for their classes. And you rotate every single year with two different professors every year just so you get a feel of what does everybody do and if you like it or not. And maybe you can get a feel of the person. So if you click with them, I think that's something that is very important when picking an advisor is to find somebody that, yes, you like their research. Yes, they can help you with your own research, but also somebody that you feel comfortable enough to be vulnerable in the sense of letting them teach you what you need to know. Having somebody that is going to support you and be a big source of just comfort and knowledge in a very friendly way, it's very important for an advisor. And that those are some things to look for. Um, in the book that I mentioned, they have four categories of advisors, which mm-hmm. I don't remember right now, but they were really funny and they were so true at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so my first semester, I got partnered with two professors in the micro side, in the OB side. And one of them was new to the university. He had already had a career for multiple years in another university, but he was moving to this university he transferred. And I did not know what he did, what his research was, because by the time I met him, he was not in the website yet, so I could not look him up. Mm-hmm. And as funny as this may seem, my first day as a PhD student, I did not know of the existence of Google Scholar. So <laughs> I did not have any way to look him up, or I did not know that I could look him up. Um, but it just happened to be that I was very interested in the micro side of family business, in influence, how people influence other people, the whole nepotism power flow inside of organizations. And it just happened to be that that's exactly what he researched. And he got really excited whenever I said those words. And I was like, why are you so excited? And he said, this is my area of expertise. And from then on, he just really introduced me to that literature. He helped me every step of the way. He was very helpful in the sense of he understood that I knew very, very little. And he did everything he can to actually train me from scratch. He trained me on how to read articles. He trained me on how to write an introduction, how to write papers, how to search for theory, how to search for scales, how to code for meta-analysis, and in general, how to search in Google Scholar and get Mm -hmm. things from the library. And it is crazy now to think about that because he dedicated so much time to my development as a as a PhD student and as a future scholar. And I just feel incredibly lucky that I got to have that experience. I think I uh, I love that you share all that because I think you, you mentioned a couple of things that are very important. First, that idea of uh, working with someone that you can be vulnerable and like you can share uh, what you're going through or what your expectations are. So I think that's really, that's key. And a couple of things you said, like someone that is willing to invest time on you because as you said, like the other thing you said that I feel it's, it's very important is that a lot of the things we need to know, it's tacit knowledge, right? It's something that kind of like goes generation through generation and somebody showed somebody else. 
and, and there's not a book about it maybe right well that little book you share i think that's that's really good but a lot of things you need to somebody needs to teach them to you so i think you need that type of, of person that is is willing to to spend time and invest time in you to to develop so i think that's pretty cool perfect maria okay so the last part uh, it's a little game we have with with this i have a couple of cards here from the questions that uh, some of the ndse participants submitted so you're gonna pick one uh, a random one and then try to give us the best answer for that one so you can choose okay Let's do this one. there you go wow <laughs> okay so it says advice give us some advice on time management oh wow i'm still trying to get on with my time management but um okay so like i said at first if you're just starting and you're completely new to the field if you think something's gonna take you an hour just block three times that that time that you think it's gonna take you and if you can write things down because as a PhD student, you feel like you're drinking out of a fire hose and it is insane the amount of things that you have to do. So normally, most of us have seminars, we have methods classes, we are assigned to professors. In Mississippi say we're assigned to two professors. Um, some of us teach or RTAs, we do um, service, we go to conferences or we volunteer in conferences, like we're volunteering in SMA and you have your personal life and all these other things so it is not like you go to the office and you only focus on your school or you only focus on your work you have 21,000 things to do at the same time they all have different due dates they all have different levels of importance and if you think you're gonna remember all the things that you need to do just by remembering something's gonna slip out <laughs> it's just it's just the way it goes it's just the nature of the, of the beast like just write things down, try to keep things organized. I, for example, I like to-do lists. I cannot deal with planners because I never remember to do them and I am a perfectionist and I want them to be really pretty and I just waste a lot of time on them. <laughs> so I just grab a blank sheet of paper and says to-do list, research. I have three, to-do list research, to-do list for my professors, so my TA work, and to-do list for classes. And I write everything down, just what I need to do and the due date. And I break it down in little tasks because a lot of the tasks that we do, they're so huge mm -hmm. that you work for multiple hours or even days and you feel like you have not accomplished anything because you have not finished it yet. So I try to break it down. Like if I have to read for seminar, instead of putting read for OT, I put read for OT and then each article so I can cross them out as I read each article. That gives me a little sense of accomplishment every time yeah, I do it. That's really good. And yeah, just keep track of all the things that you need to do. Try to manage your time the best you can to be able to fulfill your duties because at the end of the day, we are working for the university. Mm -hmm. And if you have to do something for your TA work or for your professor, you need to get it done. But also you need to pass your classes mm -hmm. and also you do, you do need to do your research. So. Nice. I guess just keep track of it. Perfect. Well, I think that's all I have uh, for this episode. Maria, thank you very much. And it's always nice to see you at these conferences. Thank you.
Thanks for joining me. And please stay in the loop for our next episode. I really hope everything we share here contributes to a happy and better PG journey for you.